0: Welcome to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast, coming at you on a Thursday here. Jeff Sharon, Brian Murphy, Eric Lopez with you as we uh, roll on through the... Uh, or We're getting ready. We're smelling the spring sports now, boys, aren't we? Tennis is about to get going. Eric, I know you're excited.
1: Yeah, hey, listen, I'm excited. out loud. Actually, I got this from a friend of mine. So I want to know if you guys hear this. Do you okay. hear this?
0: I hear something. Hear oh, that? I'm afraid yeah, to ask. So-
1: Door, a, a fan of the show, his name is Alex. He just lost his job this week, unfortunately. I feel bad for him. But he told me that one way that we can communicate better is if I hit this trash can. If I hit this trash can, for <laughs> oh. example, Murph, that yeah. means that I, can, I, I would like to take Jeff's question first, Murph. But if I don't hit
2: the trash can, if I clap, you know, that might mean that you get to get the question. Mm. What do you think? Oh, I, uh... I've heard similar things from a friend of mine named Carlos who lost his job today. But, uh... I
0: Okay, now I heard he resigned.
2: No, Wait. no, he lost his job. Yeah,
0: okay, oh, I see. All right. <laughs> uh, we are the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. We are UCF's home on the SB Nation Network. Uh, make sure you follow us at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, facebook.com slash black and gold banneret. And of course, get news analysis and all kinds of stuff on all ucf sports at blackandgoldbanner.com. We're going to talk some men's hoops. We're finally in the win column in conference. Um, and we're going to talk we're going to talk a little bit of football finishing in the top 25 and how much that matters. I think it does. Eric doesn't. Murph is always as always is agnostic on the whole thing. Um and uh, and we'll talk a little uh, and we'll talk a little uh, soccer actually with the uh, MLS and NWSL drafts taking place and some UCF players moving up to the next level. But first we'll talk about men's hoops. And by the way, we're going to preview the women's game against UConn, which is scheduled for Thursday night at the end of this segment. But let's first get to what has happened. UCF has got themselves a win-in conference, boys. After the 0-4 start, they went up to two lane. A pretty good Tulane team, by the way. Knocked Mm -hmm. off Cincinnati earlier this year, and I don't know what's clicked, Murph, but something clicked. Because they went up there, went up 35-17 at the half, and just stiff-armed Tulane the rest of the way. 74-55 was the final. My star of the game goes to Dazon Ingram. Because we saw him do things that I've been waiting to see him do all year. This was... This was... This is the Days on Anger, my couldn't wait to see. And my God, he was great. Only two of three from the field, but 15 points, 16 rebounds, three of them on the defensive end, seven assists, uh, and one steal. He was, uh, and how did he get to the 15 points? He was 11 of 13 at the line. And the reason why he was 11 of 13 at the line is because he attacked the basket. Uh, four other, or excuse me, a total of four nights, uh, three other nights had uh, double figures, including Matt Milan, who was four of eight from three-point range for 12 points. He was hitting threes all over the place. So was Darren Green. In fact, those two guys were a combined, eight of 15 from three-point range, both finished with 12. And Brandon Mahan, who got the start, was four of eight from the field uh, for 11 points. As UCF, UCF's three-point shooting for this game was 46%. And they held Tulane to just 27. Uh, And also Tulane hit just 36% from the field. UCF hit 46. So, Brian Murphy, Mm -hmm. what the hell took him so long to play a game like
2: this? (laughs) (laughs) Well, I mean, it's the laziest yet most truthful part of basketball analysis, which is make shots, win games. Uh, No way! I mean, really. This is kind of like the reverse of what happened against SMU, right? Like where... UCF hung in that entire game against SMU, but because SMU hit 13 three-pointers, they just couldn't overcome that. Um, this is a UCF team that we know is not as bad as the stats had showed from, as far as perimeter shooting. You know, they were, I think, 29% coming into this game. And with the with the talent and the players they have on this roster, they're not that bad. And it's just taken a while for it to all click together. And this was one night where, boy, howdy, did it ever. Uh, Matt Milan came out and drilled the first three shots he took, all from above the, the three-point line, and it was off to the races. Uh, defensively, they were good. I do think you have to also say that that Tulane, for whatever reason, was taking some really bad rush shots that didn't seem to be part of the, like the defense doing any, anything to them. Just really stupid decisions by Tulane. But let's yeah, let's talk about Dazon because he is the the story of the game. It's it's again. It's like you said Jeff. It's not about the the shots he took because he only took three It's just him getting into the lane and creating from there whether it is drawing contact to get to the free throw line Whether it is one getting a rebound which he got 16 of is a career high Whether it's driving and kicking out for assists. He had seven of those and and when he does that and he's big enough to do that at six, six he can drive and then decide and, you know, that's where he works the best. I think that's something that Johnny Dawkins has been trying to get him to do consistently. Mm-hmm. And it really hasn't showed up these last few games. And that's why you've seen his minutes cut back. He, is, he just hasn't played up to his strengths. In this game, uh, he did so. And you see what it led to UCF. I mean, certainly they're not going to shoot you know nearly 50% when taking 25 threes every game. But when you surround shooters... Uh, around Colin Smith, who can pass out of the post as well, and then have on creating by slashing into the lane, and kind of the same goes for Caesar DeJesus as well. And those guys can either score in the lane or pass out to shooters like May, uh, Milan and, and Darren Green and Brandon Mayhan. This offense works pretty well, um, and that's what you saw this this game. I, I wonder how defenses will, will will change it up. UCF really had no problems with two lanes. Uh, zone multiples in this game. I wonder if that means more man-to-man stuff going forward, but for this game, it was basically how you drew it up.
0: It's it's almost like with Dazon going to the basket, it's like running the ball in football, right? It's like you might not not get the results, you might not dominate running the ball, but you at least need to present the threat of it, right?
2: And yeah, and I also want to point out one thing here that I don't think it's – I didn't mention it in my article, which is on the site now about the game, but I thought it was one of the smartest plays maybe of the season is the last few seconds of the first half, UCF is already up by double digits. They're already up by, I, I think, uh, 16 or 17, and they had the last possession of the half, and uh, it was a missed three from Darren Green. Days on Ingram, with the seconds counting down, 3 two, one jumps in midair, and in midair – Grabs the ball and then flings it toward the basket in the hopes that maybe he gets fouled and they call it in the act of shooting. And sure enough, he does get fouled.
0: That's what happened, he goes, right?
2: He, he did. He goes. He does get fouled. He goes to the line and gets another point for UCF. And I know it's only one point in a game in which they led by double, digit, double digits for 30 minutes, but still, uh, that awareness. I mean, that is that is high level stuff to know that. Look, if I can just get this board, if I can just get this board. And get it off, you know, toward the basket. Doesn't even need to look like a shot. Which, by the way, it didn't even look like a shot because it went behind the backboard. <laughs> right. but, the, but the act of shooting, maybe I draw something. And sure enough, he drew it and got an extra point. I thought it was, I thought it was brilliant. The
0: act of shooting doesn't necessarily mean that the ball has to hit the basket. But um, uh, Eric, you saw the game. Is this? I don't know. Based on what you're seeing, could we possibly? Did you think that they turned a corner here in this game?
1: think it's possible I think we would agree this is the type of game this was the game the performance that I think coach Dawkins and the coaching staff envisioned when they had this team together in particular with Dajon and Matt coming over right and I mean Matt Milan is a 40% plus three-point shooter in his career Uh, William and Mary I mean you know and, and I know Murph you got to talk to Matt last week in media availability and talked about how he admitted that there was a little maybe pressure coming back home to Orlando and things. And, you know, when he hits the three-point shots, it's contagious. I You got a sense in that game that everybody felt better about themselves. And I think even on the post-game show on the radio, they even admitted to that, like, hey, everybody was feeling good about themselves. Because it, it's, you know, it, it, the game can be so psychological sometimes. You know, seeing the basket go through the hoop a couple of times just makes you feel better mentally, and you know, uh, uh, about your overall game. Whereas if it's not going in like it hasn't, you tend to press and you tend to struggle. And I think this is more in the, what coach, the staff envision. Um, And I think hopefully it calms certain people, minority of fans. I just want to preference that uh, people that are flipping out after a loss and and wondering what's going on and where the state of the program when it's basketball, it's just a game. Murph said it and it's a very simple and not hot take type of a statement, but it is true. I mean. The difference between the SMU and UCF game, the SMU game, SMU hit the shots, and UCF didn't hit some shots. Cincinnati, UCF couldn't hit a shot. They went one for nine from three. In this game, mm-hmm. they did. I think they could carry over for sure, Murph, but I think it starts with Milan. I think Milan is a huge wild card moving forward because you see a difference with this team offensively when he's going.
2: Yeah, and offensively, for most of the season, he has been you know mostly absent, and he understands that, and he did say that. You know he wanted this to go really well meaning that he wanted to come back and 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 show out for his family and and, and his first hometown really and I think wanting this to go so perfectly is put has has caused him to stress and then when the first few games didn't go very well when he was I think two of two of 15 or two of 20 shooting it just piled on and I think he mentally weared on himself and I, I you know I, I think that's what you saw out of him and now these last two games, uh, you know, he has shown that the, the type of player that UCF thought they were getting. And for him, he has admitted that uh, if he can get his first shot down, really just the first one down, it changes everything for him because mentally, like you said, Eric, seeing the ball go through, uh, it does. It gives you a confidence boost right off the start. And I mean, it, it was literally 25 seconds in here where UCF steals the tip. They feed out to Milan. He hits a three near the corner, and they're off and running. Uh, and and they're led by him. So I think you know he's he's back to being what they thought they were getting, but more importantly, he's another score now, another legitimate score for this team, which is something they desperately need.
1: Opens well, the court too. Opens the court. Yeah. Because you have to defend him on the perimeter, and that creates more space for everybody. I thought Brandon Mahan yeah. had a really another solid game, back to back games. Uh, you know, I thought he was maybe the best player in the UCF court against Cincinnati, and he and he was solid again against Tulane. Uh, so it just creates more opportunities for everybody else, and that's why I think it's pivotal. And again, I think it. it you know, Darren Green shot the ball well. Hey, y'all, look. If they know. They know. I mean, we were there, Murph, after the Cincinnati game. You could sense the frustration there. Uh, but you know, again, give credit to Coach Dawkins and his leadership. And I thought it was one of the most fascinating and best. Press conferences that I've ever seen. I mean, I've been coming to covering (laughs) basketball for over a decade in pressers, and I thought Dawkins was so fascinating in in explaining how close they really are. You know, fans don't get that. They just kind of they like to type on the computer and say, "Hey man, you stink? Hey, what's going on?" But really, it's not. They're not that far. If A possession here or a a bad possession there, it changes the drastics of the game. And I thought Coach Dawkins was fascinating. And I think his poise, and he wasn't a coach that that was just flipping out like other coaches tend to do in sports. He was just, look, we're frustrated, absolutely, but we we know what you know. We're just going to get better on this. There are certain things we got to get better at, but it's it's going to be fine. And I think that helps the players too.
0: Yeah, I I, I, oh go ahead, Murph. I'm sorry.
2: No, no, no. You go ahead, Jeff. You're good.
0: Well, I was going to say like it's that confidence builder is kind of what they need now. Now we're hitting an interesting part of the schedule where after that Murderer's Row to start, you know, in the first four. By the way, coming off that Oklahoma game too. That that was no walk in the park. Now you come back home on Saturday, you got South Florida. And this is a wounded South Florida <laughs> team. Okay, they lost Alexis Yetna. And uh, if you look on the team, yep, and if you look in the standings, guys, these are the bottom two teams in the American by uh yeah. by wins. Uh yeah, USF's 1 and me, 3, UCF's 1 and 4, and and the Bulls are Eight and nine. And I know you're gonna I know you're gonna poo-poo that, Eric, and but but and, and believe me, I I agree with you on that. But I do think both these teams are better than what that record indicates, and it's super early in the conference season. However, you know, UCF at least right now has their full complement of guys, where USF is still trying to figure out what they are without their best player. So what are we gonna look for? And Eric, I'll start with you. What are we gonna look for in this game on a Saturday? Against your, against your in-state rival?
1: You know, in a normal year, I would tend to agree, yes, we have, you know, they're more short-handed. Uh, we should win this game, but and I know, I know Murph's going to get into this, but this is not a normal college basketball season. This is one of the most strangest, weirdest college basketball season where I don't think anything is a given on any night. I, I just, to me, just, I mean, you look at Wednesday night and what transpire, you have a Temple team. That everybody now, you know, the UCF was five minutes away from beating. Everybody's like, well, how can they lose to Temple? They're not very good. They got blown out by Tulsa. Well, they go in and beat Wichita State at home. Meanwhile, Tulsa, who beat, you know, got destroyed by Cincinnati, they're on top of the league. They beat Houston. I think everybody can beat everybody this year. It's one of those years. So I don't think we can just go into any game, regardless, whether it be this game or any game, and say, well, we have the advantage here or there. I have no idea. And I'm going to give South Florida credit for this even with the injuries and the adversity they've dealt, uh, they outplayed Memphis on Sunday, who is arguably on paper the most talented team in the league and led most of the way and let it slip away. They lost by only four. Uh, They did blow out UConn uh, at home in that game. Now, they lost to East Carolina. I get that, but East Carolina maybe has one of the best players in the league that nobody knows about. He's a one-man show. My point is they're well-coached. This is a rivalry game. I expect it to be a very intense game. Uh, and these two teams' programs play close games, uh, you know, usually anyway. So, right. Murph, I, I, am I, I mean, I mean to me, I don't know what to expect anymore because I don't know what to expect on a nightly basis in this sport this year, <laughs> let alone why should I expect to know what's going to happen this Saturday.
2: Absolutely. I mean, absolutely true in every aspect, especially if you watch basketball outside of the AAC, a- 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 it per- it, it's permeated throughout the entire sport. There is no easy victory in basketball because there isn't as much top-end talent, uh, and the t- and the t- and the talent that is there is dispersed upon more teams, um, and so it's just a more even slate night to night. Even if you've got a, a you know a top five ranked team versus an unranked team, and I'm going with Duke and Clemson here, it doesn't matter. You can still lose. I wish I had said this too. I and I, I thought it. During the Wichita State-Memphis game, and I I didn't say it on Twitter so people can say, like, well, this is all 2020 hindsight, you're trying to make up for this. I was pretty sure that Wichita State was going to lose one of those next two games after beating Memphis. Because after that sort of emotional, high-energy, spotlight game, you had to go back-to-back on the road uh, within the span of three days, both at, at UConn, at Temple. And I figured they would drop one of those, and they almost dropped both. Uh, and so that doesn't surprise me. They they lost to temple, even if, even though temples had their own struggles, and just again, like you said, Eric, it goes to show that nothing can be taken for granted. Even though USF, uh, you know, bless them, but they've had a, a really tough year with losing their best player before the season started in Yetna. They lose, you know, the, and then his backup, Mayan Kerr, leaves the program, uh, you know, shortly uh, into the season. So now, it, it, you know, they really just. They they've been struggling and fighting uphill ever since, but still, you know, with that, they have an experienced backcourt, uh, and you just don't know. It. And yeah, and, you really, and just, yeah, no, very much so. Um, but you and you, but you just don't know. You just don't know. I mean, you would favor UCF coming off this win, uh, you know, on the road, going home uh, to face a team that's that again. That I, I don't think is nearly as good. I don't think I think UCF is clearly better than you than USF. But that's not to say that they're going to w- walk in here and, and romp and just rubble over him. Like, this is going to be a pretty close game yeah. problem. Yeah. yeah well, I mean,
1: David Collins, by the way, real quick, 15 points a game and the guard position scored 24 against Memphis. I think he's going to be a handful for UCF. I'll be curious to see how they deal with him, especially uh, worth pointing out, Murph, Dre Fuller's missed the last two games. We don't know what his status will be for this game at the time of this recording. So who gets the assignment for David Collins? And then Rindu is their other guard, averages 13 points a game. That's, to me, my big concern is who, that's where the offense is going to come from. And, and, and guards matter in college basketball. That's my yeah. concern yeah. about this game from a matchup standpoint and how UCF matches up with there. you mentioned the injuries internally at USF. That spell. I mean, this has got to be a Collins-Smith game dominated, right? I mean, that has got to be. And yet, I feel like Brian Gregory knows that he might bring help Against Colin Smith, and it might come down to once again hitting three-point shots from the perimeter.
2: Right, I think, and what what helps Colin there is you're right, Eric. They got well. I mean, in any game, really, in any game, I think the offense needs to revolve around him. And Johnny has said that because he, he is this team's go-to player. But Colin is a good enough passer around around the key that that he can create shots for guys when he, when they do bring the double team. And so that's the if that's going to be the recipe for success. I mean, they've got guys now who I think are gaining in confidence shooting the ball, certainly with Milan and Mahan and, and Darren Green. And if they go one-on-one with him, then Collins should be able to have some matchups there that he can win. Um, and also, let's, again, not forget that Dazon Ingram can still do whatever he does driving in the paint, driving and kicking, getting offensive rebounds, all that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah. And one of the other things... By the way, a look at the overall series. Right now, UCF has won eight in a row, and all but one of them have been by double digits. Uh, they've won... Ten of the last eleven, and let's see, uh, going back to 2008. I'm trying to count this up here. That's, let's see, that's eight and five. That's 13 of the last 17 against USF. Wow, um, wow that's surprising. which is yeah, and uh, going back to December of 2008. So uh, USF leads the overall series 22-17 because they got a they got a pretty dramatic head start. But so far, UCF has dominated the war on I-4 in men's basketball um to this point uh tip off for the game is set for Saturday at four and it will be on ESP or excuse me no that's wrong uh Saturday at six on ESPNU I was, say, I was looking at the road I was looking at the road game which is three games later in Tampa but um ahead know look at me look looking ahead where? now ESPNU uh Saturday um at six should be a good one okay real quick flip over to the women. They've got their, well, I guess you could say their biggest game of the year uh, tonight, Thursday night against UConn. Uh, UConn, by the way, who lost to Baylor last week for their first loss of the season, dropped them from number one to number four. UCF comes in nine and five. UConn is a lot and one. Um, this game will be televised on SNY and ESPN three at six. Uh, this is all we needed was a ticked off UConn team coming into. Coming into Orlando, and uh, you know, obviously, UConn has never lost a conference game since since the American was formed out of the ashes uh, of the Big East. Um, they're fourteen and one, five and zero overall in the conference. By the way, there are three undefeated teams in in the American in women's basketball in conference play: UConn, Tulane, and USF. Um, but nonetheless. Uh, you know, Crystal Dangerfield uh, is is your top player right now for uh, for UConn, and she's going to be matched up with KK Wright. Uh, you do have you know the typical you know ensemble of uh, of front court players, you know such as you know Olivia nelson nodota and Kristen Williams uh, for UConn, and Kyla Irwin who are going to be who are going to give UCF its but. You know, we've talked about this every year. This is a hard game to always gauge because like what is UCF's threshold for performance, right? I mean it's they're against UConn. There's gonna be a lot of a lot of the old folks coming down from the villages to watch this game. UConn, by the way, fourth in the RPI, UCF 63rd um in the uh, RPI. Yeah. Uh and that was coming off that loss the other night, too. But um I what do we and the loss, by the way, was by 17 points at Cincinnati. That was a real tough one to take. So you're coming off of that. What's the What's the bar here, Eric? What What do we want to see tonight?
1: You know, this is a strange game to handicap. Um, in fact, that's a hint to see if one of you guys can figure out if there's a point spread for this game or not. I don't know if there is in women's basketball. Yeah, so I'll, I'll, that's my you little kinda... like tease to see if you guys figure this out because I actually think UCF for the first time. To, it, it, this game is significant in a lot of ways. It's the last time UConn is scheduled to be here in Orlando more than likely will be the last time they play here. Um, you know, it's coming off a game last year where they were the top two teams in the league. We all remember what happened in the championship game where UConn won, but Gino was agitated with supposed because UCF was trapping late in the game. And like, it was just very bizarre. Um, this is a UConn team. And I said this about a month ago. This is not a strong, of, of the best UConn team we've had in a while. This might, this is a young UConn team. And Gino Ariema, forget me, Gino Auriemma has been very critical of this team. He has called this team immature. Uh, he has called this team in, uh, not dummies. He's called them not smart. Um, he was he, he pretty much said, we got no shot this year. No shot. He doesn't think they have the marquee player to win uh, this year. And, and, you know, that was after the Baylor loss. Mind you, that was their first loss of the year. They ranked number one. He called the voters idiots that voted them number one. I mean, he, he, I mean he, I, I'll tell you this. One of the reasons me and Murph are going, we're, we're, we're going we're gonna to miss Geno's pressers, personally. But um, even the Memphis, this is a weird part of the schedule. UConn played Baylor, as you mentioned, Jeff, last Thursday. Mm-hmm. They then played Houston at home, blew them out by 40. Then they played at Memphis on Tuesday, struggled. They were trailing in that game. Pulled away late in the fourth quarter, won by, I think, by only 12. Um, mm-hmm. So, this is actually their fourth game in a week. I, you don't see that often uh, in women's basketball. Part of that is because UConn has game, non conference marquee games for television that they fit in. Like they had the Baylor game last yeah. Thursday. They've the Baylor game games. appeared
0: right in the middle of their conference schedule. Right. You know?
1: Right. And they've got a game with Tennessee coming up in the renewal of that rivalry. So, that's a big deal. So, they're trying to squish in a bunch of games here. Maybe the conference, maybe this is their little parting shot to the to UConn for, you know, leaving the league. Because I do wonder about them coming in here playing their fourth game in a week. And I think UCF will use the blueprint that they've used and they saw Memphis do, which is you want to slow the game down, make it a half-court game. UConn has struggled this year half-court-wise. They still, I don't think they know who they are yet. As an offensive team, and watching them, and just listening to the, the writers up there. I mean, you would think that's a crisis. By the way, the, the, there's nothing much more hilarious than UConn women's basketball media uh, because <laughs> you, you, the sky's falling. I mean, we we you know they lose we, one they, game,
0: and all of a sudden it's a crisis.
1: <laughs> that's their first loss at home in 98 games, and it's the the, the, the program. What is wrong with the,
2: the program? Program's the program's in disarray. Yeah. I don't know. Um, that's that. That sounds familiar. That sounds familiar we're, around we're, here kind of fan base would do that but
1: um i think that ucf has a shot in this game believe it or not and i'm not just saying that because i'm a ucf guy because i mean i've been pretty uh, i've been if anything i've been accused of being blatantly honest um at times in the show but i do think they got a shot because ucf has multiple options offensively with kk Brittany smith the biggest key when you play uconn protect the basketball no one is better in this sport, in women's basketball, than UConn in turning you over and, and getting easy baskets. And as you saw, Jeff, last year, mm-hmm. when these teams met, what they did was they put a lot of pressure on K.K. Wright. They put multiple players on him and tried to speed up the game and force turnovers, and UCF struggled with that. And we saw in the Cincinnati game, you know, and you brought it up. You were at the East Carolina game. They even showed that there. You know, turnovers for UCF. They cannot – turned the ball over like they've had the last couple games they had 20 turnovers in the cincinnati loss which turned into 25 cincinnati points um i think they had what nearly almost 30 in the east carolina game you if you do that against uconn you're gonna get run off the court
0: Um, now now i find this interesting so ucf right now is fourth in the american in turnover margin they're plus 3.5 a game okay UConn is sixth. They're the last team that's plus in that area. They're plus 1.13. So if UCF, like you're saying, can take care of the ball, slow the game down, and just get UConn frustrated, yep. then what Gino was saying about his team, you think probably could come to fruition. They'll get frustrated. They'll start taking stupid shots. And then all of a sudden, it's a... It's a one or two-possession game in the fourth quarter, and and they start looking around thinking, what is going on here? And uh, it, I, I think that you That's got what also... That's happened in the Memphis game. That's yeah. what happened in the Memphis game. Uh, and Texas, Memphis, by the way, is in the very bottom of the league. They haven't won a conference game yet, and they're hovering around five hundred. So, uh, I mean, what do you think, Murph? Do you think UConn can be had in this game?
2: I mean, yeah, because any team can be had. I mean... I, I guess so, but I'm not You guys are getting my hopes
0: up here, you know.
2: (laughs) I mean, like. We're not
1: asking to bet on this, Murph. Don't worry. We're
2: not. I mean. I can't find the line, by the way. Anyway. I can't. No, I can't find it either. I really did look for it. I know I did. I mean, I'm not saying that UCF has a chance to win this game, but, like, again, like you say, if they take care of the ball, they slow the tempo down. I think also doesn't, I mean, how involved, because we know about KK, but how involved does Brittany Smith need to be again in this type of game where that front court is so imposing? But that UCF does need that sort of inside-outside game offensively to keep up with with so many of the talented players on UConn's front that they're going to need to score somewhere other than KK. Yeah. And Brittany Brittany's been on a roll, six straight games in double figures, and you know getting a lot of rebounds as well. They're going to really need her to show up and, and just at least offensively contribute something to where UCF can. And get past 50 because you know if, if you turn it over, that UConn defense is going to stifle you. Well, I'd
0: say not just Brittany, but also Masani Kaba as well, because that well, front court be has better. to have they a dominant game. Yeah.
1: yeah, and they got to be good up defensively inside. You know, you look at the Cincinnati game, I watched that game. The young lady, uh, Thomas, or Cincinnati, just had their way. 12 of 13 from the floor, 32 points and eight rebounds. And one Ugh. of the problems UCF's had this year uh, defensively, because they're actually, their numbers are down. This is not your typical Abe defensive team. They're giving up more three-pointers than normal. You know, in the previous three seasons under Coach Abe, UCF's given up an average around five threes a game. Teams are shooting, you know, low 30s in the three. This year, teams are averaging eight threes mid to high 30s in the three-point line. Well, why is that? Are they? Well, part of it is because they're getting better looks because teams are attacking them inside. And I think, you know, they haven't been at times as dominant inside defensively. And when you have to have help inside, uh, now all of a sudden there's holes outside. In fact, Cincinnati was 7 of 12 from the three-point line in Sunday's win. So you're right. I think How does Kaba and Brittany do well offensively, but also defensively, getting defensive rebounds, uh, being a good presence inside? Don't give up easy baskets because, you know, if you give up easy baskets inside, now that opens up the three-point shot. And UConn is not shy to shoot the three. This is not as big of a UConn team as they've had in the past. Uh, they tend to In fact, they tend to kind of you know depend more on the perimeter game with Dangerfield and others. So, I think it's an interesting game. Actually, I know it's crazy. I think the biggest storyline is will UConn drop a game in the league? I think they could this year. They I, never I, I, have
0: I, I in the entire in their entire history in the America. I don't, I don't know how many games happen- they've won, but they've never I, lost. I so think they could have. But
2: I don't know. Won, who- and if they win, if they win this game, going to be one hundred and twenty. Five in a row, I think. Wow. In the That's, right. That's amazing. I mean, but when you really think, I think about
1: they that. Could, I, I think they could lose. What I don't know is if it's going to be necessarily a UCF game. It might be a team they don't respect. Like you mentioned Memphis. They probably didn't respect Memphis in that game. My concern is because they struggled against Memphis, they right. probably have their antennas up. They're probably going to be ready to roll. And I think we're going to know, guys. We're going to know in the first four or five minutes of this game.
0: Yeah. If UConn jumps out to a 16-2 to lead, I mean, forget about it. But – you know, if you if you can keep them, you know, if it's like ten to eight after the first, buckle your seatbelts because it, it might be it might be an interesting night. I found the line by the way. It says uh, it's sixteen and a half, and that's according to that's according to five dimes. So. Um,
1: I bet you, I bet you, I mean, I mean I'm not going to ask you to look. Uh, we, there's probably no historical. I bet you that's one of the lowest compared to past years. I bet yeah. you in the past they've probably been in the 20s.
0: 125 uh, is the over-under, by the way.
1: I like the under there
2: a little yeah, bit. Yeah, I like the under too.
1: A little. I'm tempted to take the under. Murph, write this down. We got something to look follow here. We could have oh, a bad heat situation. 16 yeah. and a half is a pretty testing number. I mean, they're begging you to take UConn there. I'm gonna stay away. I'm with Murph. I'm gonna stay away from this because I'm not gonna pretend I know what I, I just. I I would feel better about UCF chances if the Memphis game wasn't as close as it was. Mm-hmm. I just have a feeling that Geno, the last 24 to 48 hours after that game, I I think those players heard about it and I think they're gonna be focused. So the girl art, uh, we gotta be ready. We gotta be ready from the tip because if not, uh, you can you know you can uh, you can run yourself out of this building. Hopefully it's a game like a couple years ago that we all were at. It was a fifty-five, thirty-seven competitive game. UCF kept it competitive. That's the type of game UCF has to play in. They cannot get into a game in the '60s or '70s against UConn. They'll be in big trouble. Well, doing some right. math yeah. on
0: this line, I'm, I, they're thinking it's probably going to be around seventy to 50, 54, somewhere around there. Is that so? Go ahead, Murph. I'm sorry.
2: No, I, and I would say like six. You know, and, and Eric, you brought up that game from a couple <laughs> years ago that we all watched and. Coming out of that game two years ago, in which UCF scored 37 points, there was reason to be optimistic because of how well they played defensively against UConn. However, to the point of the line, that was an 18-point victory for UConn in one of the worst games they played all year.
0: Yeah, uh, just,
2: much better I, UConn uh, team, much better UConn team. Uh, but you're right. I, then, I,
0: then, I, then the I, now, yeah.
2: I, I
1: would stay away from that number because again, I think they're going to be focused after the Memphis game. Plus. You know, who knows, after what happened last year in that championship game, Geno getting all agitated because UCF was pressing at the end of the game, which was silly, but does he use that as a motivating tool to his players? I don't know. I mean, it's all, you know, we'll find out once they get on the court. But, you know, hopefully it'll be a fun game. Hopefully it's a good game for UCF. Again, I think they can play well. If you pull this upset somehow, that's a huge trump card as far as the NCAA tournament is concerned. Oh, uh, you're not kidding.
0: Oh, you're not kidding. And if you
1: can, you know, and if you can, you know, it'll be the story of the sport for sure. Um, if not, if you can keep it close, I think that's good positive of momentum because they got another big game. Oh, by the way, Sunday at South Florida, which is equally as big, if not bigger, because you know, we talked about this stretch being a rough stretch, guys. They can't afford, they can't afford to go 0 3. They go and three. That they've dug themselves a bit of a hole here early in the league. You know, you'd like to at least, if you believe, you know, if you lose a UConn game to split and take that USF game, and then one and two, and then you think you'll be fine. This is an important next couple of days, and we'll learn a lot about this team uh,
0: moving forward. Yeah, I don't mean to bypass the entire USF game because, after all, I mean USF, like we said, they're having a very good year once again. They seem to be back. Yeah. So, so tip off for uh, UCF against UConn, 6 p.m. on Thursday. Um, and, uh, if something wild happens, well, we'll keep you updated on it. Make sure you follow blackandgoldbanneret.com and UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter. We're gonna
1: have an emergency I
0: That would, it, listen, that would be emergency podcast worthy, I think. I don't know. We'll, I don't want to get too Nobody. far ahead of myself, because I always do this. You know, you guys are getting my hopes just up here. No, that
1: we're, me and Murph are in the arena, and uh, let's just say that sometimes it's a little hard to reach us in the, if you're in the building
0: that's yeah, alright you just walk outside it's, you know I mean that place is a bunker but hey what are you going to do so alright uh, we're going to take a break when we come back wrap up a little football because the fin- we put the final bow on the football season with the postseason rankings and we will debate whether or not that actually means anything stick around we'll be right back Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret Podcast. Jeff Sharon, Brian Murphy, Eric Lopez with you. UCF underscore banneret on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold Banneret, where you can find uh, a number of interesting stories that we've been pumping out here, including basically the conclusion of a football season here. And, uh, well, they surprised us pleasantly, didn't they? UCF football finishes at number 24 In the country, in both the AP Top 25 and the USA Today SID, I mean coaches poll, um, some interesting notes on this. Uh, This is the fifth time in school history that UCF has uh, finished the season ranked, but it's the first time that they've done so without having won their conference, let alone their division. Okay, um, it was a banner year for the American in the top twenty-five. Four American teams were ranked in were ranked in the final in both final polls, um, and they were all in the same spots. Interestingly, Memphis was at seventeen, despite the loss in the Fiesta Bowl or the Cotton Bowl rather. Uh, Navy was at number twenty, and Cincinnati was at number twenty-one. Um, There were seven non-autonomous five conference teams in the rankings, if you include the American in that group. Appalachian State finished at 19th in the AP, Air Force at 22, Boise at 23. Um, In the coaches poll, App State was one spot higher at 18, and then Boise and Air Force were flipped. Boise was at 22, Air Force was at um, twenty three. By the way, UCF was not ranked in the top 25. They dropped out after week six and then fought their way back in. Um, and, uh, okay, a couple things here. Quite possibly, this gives UCF at least, at least I think there's a greater chance that UCF ends up in the preseason top 25 after finishing within the postseason top 25. But, uh, but uh, Eric, you had a little debate with our buddy Sam Unger on Twitter uh, where he said, look, this matters because you because that means we're fulfilling that promise of being a perennial top 25 team where you say the rankings don't matter. All that matters is the top four. And in the big national picture, yes, I agree with you. But my point was, it was and I had the gift to accompany it, was You know, you can't be, what does UCF want to be considered? They want to be considered a perennial top 25 program at the very least, right? Well, you can't be a perennial top 25 program unless you perennially finish in the top 25. And they've only done it five times in school history, all of them since 2010. So this, at least in terms of UCF's goals as a program, matters. You disagree. Why?
1: because I don't think it has any impact on how good the program is or not based on the voting. Like,
0: well, objectively, me, like, that, objectively, that's true, but it does, it does matter in terms of na- let, national let perception of ECF, let me, no? Well, let me
1: ask you this. Do you remember who, was, who, rank, who, who finished ranked 24th last year?
0: Uh, I don't remember.
1: No, Nobody does. That's the point. You could throw out, hey, we're a top 25 program, even if you're not a top 25 program. Texas has done no, this you for can't. a decade.
0: Okay, but that's you Texas. Texas
1: Everybody does it. Everybody does it.
0: Um But that's Texas. That's that's big huge Texas. That's yeah, not yeah, UCS. That's
1: everybody. Boise State's the same thing. You realize Boise State wasn't ranked last year? Like they weren't. But yet people think they're a top 25 program every year. They're not.
0: But um, the, but they okay, but they have been, all right. But Boise State has been ranked in the top 25. I'm trying to I'm going to I'm going to pull it up here. But right, they've been it up. Let me make a couple points uh, okay. while you looked it up.
1: First of all, if you read my story on black dot com you should not have been surprised that ucf finished in the top 25 because i broke it down and they were in good position to get in let's listen we're acting like they beat out like these 11 and 12 win teams they beat out texas a and m it eight five so it's not like this was some like big hurdle they had to overcome and look i'm not saying it's not a cool thing to happen i think people kind of take my words out of context no one said that beating Marshall didn't <laughs> help them get to the top twenty five and that's all. Well great. Certainly, it
0: certainly it certainly did. That. Yeah, we all agree on that.
1: Uh, but my point is it doesn't have a big impact either way on what I of what this program is. And I've used multiple examples. You and I, Jeff, were at the at the Cure Bowl against Arkansas State, where they got beaten down by Arkansas State. Did that negatively affect the program moving forward? Uh no. They went undefeated the following year. Uh, 2012, which is kind of what this year reminds me a lot about, was 2012. They won 10 games. They were as good as this year's team. Blake Bortles was his first full year as a starter. Remember the year before, he kind of split with Jeff Gottfried. They lost a heartbreaking, controversial conference USA title game to Tulsa because that's all we do is we lose at Tulsa every time we go there. Now we've learned that. In Uh, in hilarious fashion. (laughs) Yeah, right. We we, uh, beat Ball State in St. Pete. We didn't finish the year ranked. What happened the next year? They went to the Fiesta Bowl and had their, you know, at the time, their best year ever. They won the American. I think the only difference is between 2012 and 2019 is two things. Yes, the recent success, but we're also in a better league. And I, you know, and there are certain fans in this, uh, portions of the audience that likes to bash Mike Oresco in the league, for, and some of it is deserved. I'm not denying that. But let's also give credit where credit is due. The fact that the American, as you mentioned, had a great year, for teams in the top 25 because they have separated themselves. They have distanced themselves from every other group of five league. It's not even close right now. Nobody even ever brings up the American in the same sentence or even paragraph as Conference USA. Uh, that also helps UCF in the brand there as well. So I think it's a combination of things. But does finishing ranked 24th mean that they're – all of a sudden this great program. No, they've always been a great program. They have a good team. That wouldn't change if they were ranked 24th in this last poll or if they were unranked. What does matter is what happens opening night against North Carolina in a game that's going to be nationally televised more than likely on Friday. And if you get yourself back to winning the American Conference, playing in New Year's Six Bowl games with massive exposure, you're going to get the, the – the rewards are going to come with that. That's not going to, and those things don't get impacted by how you finish in a poll in the end of the year that are voted by SID's quote coaches or some schmuck writer in Ames, Iowa, who's eating Doritos and wondering, hey, I, I think this <laughs> team has got ten wins. I do Let's not get carried away with what this means for the program. The program was going to be fine whether they were ranked or not. That was my only point.
0: Okay, you're right, right? objectively about that. But I will say that. When people see you ranked in that final top 25 year in and year out, nationally, that has a major impact on how you're perceived as a program. Not within our UCF bubble or even within our American bubble. I'm talking about outside of that, okay? And to give you a point, you talked about, you mentioned Boise State, and I did look it up. They finished in the top 25 in 13 of the last 18 seasons now is that every year no but the reason right. why they're considered a perennial top 25 program is because they're pretty much perennially in the top 25 all right
1: right, uh, right around the mix but you know, <clears> well, <throat> here's the thing UCF is the same here's the one difference you want to know why UCF and people wonder why is Boise get the benefit of doubt over UCF it's a real
0: simple Well, because they've done it for and longer
1: think, no well no it's not just that they never, had, they never went winless See, if you take away the, the winless year in 2015, I don't think we're having this conversation. People respected the O'Leary program in 2013, college game. They talked about how good they were, and things like that. Yeah, you get you'd be a big underdog against Baylor, but that's going to happen whether you're ranked or not. People are still going to disrespect UCF, no matter what. There's always going to be a percentage of that audience. The only reason why I think people, and I don't know if it's insecurity or not people don't think they're not a top 25 if there's out there it's because of the winless season but I think I think the majority of people that follow the sport already respected the UCF program and already respect what this team is in the current run that they're in obviously from the last two years and moving forward I don't think there's any question they're gonna be the favorites to win the American next year guys I, I don't think people were lacking oh I don't know who this if they're any good you know, that, you know, yeah, I think everybody knows they're a top 25 team program right now. I, I don't think that this final poll proves
2: that.
0: Murph, can you settle this, please? What, what came first, the chicken or the egg?
2: Well, the egg came first. <laughs> the chicken evolved from a different animal. The egg came first. It's a, it, I mean, it's a mammal. It's what happens. Okay. Are we talking about football or are we talking about evolution?
0: <laughs> we, we, we can let, okay, let's, let's pull it back to football here for a second. <laughs> yeah. Okay.
2: Although All I right. do appreciate the lesson.
0: I, you know, settle, I, yeah. Let settle this. Does it matter in some way that UCF finished ranked in the top twenty-five?
2: Not particularly. Okay. Why not? Like it's a it's a fine feather in your cap. It's a nice stat to say that they have finished. They they Hey, as UCF is certainly willing to brag about, they are the only team in the state of Florida that's finished in the top twenty-five the last three years. That's great. It doesn't have any impact on next season uh, or whether or not you win the conference championship or whatever. It's just a nice thing to have that doesn't really have any substance behind it. And I don't think it matters if they ranked 24th or 22nd or 27th. It's just, it's just sort of a, a stat. That's all it carries. It doesn't really matter for next year or as Eric was saying, as far as UCF's reputation, UCF reputation has been set not by making the top 25, but by making it to the Peach Bowl, making it to the Fiesta Bowl, and winning back-to-back conference championships, and doing that again, and again, and again. If you do that again, and again, and again, you will obviously be ranked in the top 25, but you have to win games. That's what matters. It's not about matters what you ranked. It's about winning championships and winning big bowl games. <sighs> Man. Uh,
0: and by the I, way, I, can't, I mean, not I can right? I can't budge you guys. I can't believe it. No, and look, I can't. here's
1: the thing, right? You said about the preseason poll. It doesn't matter if they lose the North Carolina game. They're going to be out of the Uh, rankings if they lose the North Carolina game. But if they beat the North Carolina game, they're going to be ranked to Merv's point. It's about results. And what this team has got to respect is winning football games. That's it. That's all people care about. People remember them beating Baylor in the Fiesta. They remember beating Auburn in the, uh, what do you call it, in the Beach Bowl. They don't remember them beating Marshall in the Gasparilla Bowl. I'm sorry. Nobody does.
2: Also, I want to say this because it's already getting out of hand. I know we're excited for for the North Carolina matchup because of the sophomore quarterback matchup, and it, right. you know it's 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 an A, it's an ACC team, but man, I feel like if UCF drops that game, the fan base is going to light the season on fire already, and that's just Aww. like way premature.
0: That because that I agree with.
2: <laughs> this team has to win the conference championship. Not the playoff, because again, we've said this for years now. The playoff is still out of the picture. It won't happen. You're right. It's about winning confidence. It's about winning your confidence.
1: And a credit to the league, because of the success they have now. And let me just say this too: as great as the years the American had this year with four teams in the top 25, they have to do it again next year. You can't drop back to no. being a one-ranked team league. You have to do it. You can't just celebrate over one great year. That's great let's do it next year and year after that and right. build from a league standpoint on that but to bear's point really doesn't matter if you beat North Carolina if you lose the league because you're in. The, you know it's not gonna matter you're right you got to win the league but I think North Carolina is I think where I disagree with Murph, I think North Carolina is a big game and from the standpoint of the tone of the season uh, moving forward and what because yeah, I think you know North Carolina with Sam Howell now I do agree I think they're gonna be a overrated team North Carolina everybody's gonna jump on the Mac Brown bandwagon but I do think it's an important game to set the tone for the season. I, I might buy into that. But look, this team's going to be exciting next year. They're going to be good. Um, and I just think to me, whether they're ranked 23, 30, 32, doesn't matter. What matters is the field on the field. What I like is when I go, on the, uh, go to the stadium and you see those conference championships from years. That's what matters. Those I, trophies and that's
2: What? what Banners are forever. One last, yes, that's true. And, and even if even if you get caught cheating, the flags still fly forever. It doesn't matter. Uh, oh, one wow, last rebuttal, a little baseball
1: uh, insight. There you go. Uh, opinion in there. Whoa.
2: <laughs> one last rebuttal, though. I, I, I disagree with the tone-setting argument because that is an intangible narrative that has no real construct from week to week. That is just something that we feel like sounds correct. But doesn't actually exist. And if that was true, then teams that were on winning streaks would continue to win. But every week is a different every every game is a different game. So I don't I don't agree with the tone setting argument. It's a nice win, but that doesn't mean you're more likely to win the next game.
1: No, no, I didn't. And I, what I mean by tone setting, I mean like if they win that game, I think everybody's feeling good. Then yeah, hey, there's a lot of positives moving forward. If they lose that game, you know what's going to happen, Murph. We're going to be on this show. And we're going to be answering all these questions of what's wrong with this team, fairly or not, and now it's like question marks moving let me forward. Let answer that.
2: It's totally unfair if we <laughs> answer those questions, and we will all if right. they lose, but it's totally unfair. All right.
1: There you go. Do you record that, Jeff, for like the September episode on yes. that? Yes. Yeah, we'll by we'll by go way, ahead and play it back. the CM- I'm looking forward to, and I don't know if you've already started looking at this, Murph. I'm already waiting to see what the flight prices are for the Houston UCF game in Houston because I'm looking forward to seeing Derek King return. Like he,
0: <laughs> oh yeah. I'm sorry. I talk about that. It, talk about a news dump, by the way. Derek King announcing that like in the middle of the national championship yeah. game.
1: Yeah. where are you where are you yeah where are you Houston fans that went after me when I said hey, don't believe this nonsense he's gone because I knew that for a fact talking to people no you don't know what you're talking about well he's gone
2: did he oh in the King's defense defense he did drop that news probably at a time in which he thought the championship game would be over but since the championship game literally lasted an era uh it, it just happened to fall within the parameters of the game.
0: By the way, all the articles that are coming out about where Dierick King might go, all the ones that I'm looking at Athlon, wherever, none of them, none of them mention South Florida. They do mention a school in South Florida though. Yeah, they do mention the Miami Hurricane. Why would they wait, why would why would South why would he go to South Florida? Is he from Tampa?
1: No, he's not. He's a no, no. in fact, um, it's funny though because when when that whole thing came out, I was told from someone in Houston who was proven correct. Uh, that, he, that he was leaving. I mean, I love how people question Mark Berman, who's one of the most respected journalists at uh, TV people in Houston. He, re, he interviewed his dad, and somehow he questioned his dad. He yeah. said, yeah, he's transferred. He's gone. Ma- Manville,
0: gone. I, I, I was totally wrong. He's from Manville, Texas. I'm, so I, I, apologize. I apologize. For some reason, I thought uh, he was he a Tampa had, kid. I don't know why. But anyway, go ahead.
1: He verbally de- decommitted from TCU to go to Houston when he uh, this whole thing went down in September. The belief internally was that he was going to leave to re- reunite with Kendall Bryles, at Florida State. That's what I was told. Uh, the problem okay. is, uh, Kendall Bryles ain't no longer at Florida State because Willie Taggart got fired, got shown the door. So, I think the question with uh, with King will be, does he follow Kendall Bryles, who's now in Arkansas? Eh, I don't know about that. Murph kind of mentioned it. There's been rumors <laughs> about Miami, who they just had there. They just hired a new OC who comes over from uh, Lashley, I believe. He was very up-and-coming, kind of similar offense to the Bryles system.
0: Yeah, Rat Lash. Things like
1: that. Miami's been... And, of course, you can't mention a quarterback transfer without mentioning Oklahoma as a candidate because they are the, they've are they mastered that with Lincoln Riley. So I would expect those places to be where uh, King goes. But that's good news for UCF because they don't have to deal with him. they got to deal with a train wreck that is Dana Hogerson in Houston. And that's why for all the complaining about and Heupel and where's the program – you're not a dumpster fire like Houston. Let's be very fortunate that we're not Houston. Is it is it a
0: dumpster fire really? Or are they just, or is Hogerson just cleaning out what he doesn't want?
1: Put it to this way: as, a, uh, as I was listening to our friends' uh, podcast, if Tunes right now Toons is their quarterback to go moving forward, mm-hmm. uh, the front runner who we saw, I don't think he's anything great. Uh, <laughs> unless he picks up another quarterback, if he goes down, the starting quarterback for Houston would be Dana Hogerson's kid. <laughs> not that. Great. Uh, well, and that could I be think, worse. I think there's a lot of questions about how good of a coach Dana Hogerson. It's not like he said West Virginia, you know, it's not like they want anything of significance in the big twelve. I, I just wonder if that's gonna be a big headache moving forward. There's a, it we'll see. We'll see what happens. You're right. They got a lot of
0: players. They threw, they threw a back lot back. of money at him, which which means and, they have a lot of faith it. in him, so
1: I'm just saying, don't take for granted what you have because sometimes, you know, Houston you know, sometimes it could be a lot worse at a lot of different places, and I think we lose fact to that because we lose a game once in a while. Oh, my God. You know, let's
0: right. just settle down. All right. Let's take a break. When we come back, uh, we got some soccer news to pass along, and we'll wrap this thing up. Stick around. This is the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. We're back after this. Welcome back to the Black and Gold Banneret podcast. Jeff Sharon, Eric Lopez, and Brian Murphy with you. Uh, make sure you log on to blackandgoldbanneret.com for uh, all the latest, including uh, following the action Thursday night as UCF women's basketball takes on UConn. We had some other news from the women's sports on this uh, Thursday. Um, Kanya Plummer, the uh, former UCF uh, defender who also played in the Women's World Cup for her native Jamaica, uh, is going to the NWSL. She was the first selection in the second round of the NWSL draft taken by... The Orlando Pride. So she is staying home. Kanye real happy for Kanye has developed into an amazing, amazing defender, and it's gonna be really great to see her um with the Pride this uh, it, at least for the foreseeable future. We're actually following the NWSL draft right now. It's it's wrapping up at as we speak. There's about it's five not a super
1: draft like the MLS. It's not a,
0: a super it's draft. Big draft. That's unfortunate. It's not a super draft, but it's just a regular plain old Garden Variety um, uh, Vanilla Draft, but they have about five picks left. Um, none of them belong to Orlando. Um, but if we see another UCF player get their name chosen, we will pass that word along via our Twitter account, UCF underscore Banneret. Um, pretty good year for UCF soccer players getting drafted, huh, Elo?
1: It really is. Uh, obviously, last week with Cal Jennings going in the first round to FC Dallas, Jonathan Dean ironically going in the second round to Orlando City. Uh, in fact, I was on a podcast OC Lions blog, a great blog. They talked where they break down Orlando City and uh, talked about. I was a privilege to talk about Jonathan Dean there, but defensive players getting drafted very high and pretty cool to have a couple players will be staying locally. And then, you know, with Plummer, you know, they just signed. Uh, uh, I think they had Carrie Lawrence the other day uh, to a. Yeah, Carrie Orange. Lawrence
0: got signed. That's chance. right. Mm-hmm.
1: So she has a chance to make the team. Obviously, we have our friend Bridget Callahan, a friend of the show, has been on. She's on, our, was on our, on the Pride team. So, I, yeah, I think it was great. I actually enjoyed their coverage. They had the, the draft was on Facebook. I watched it. I thought it was well produced and it was doing well. So, uh, I, I enjoyed it. I'm very happy for both programs that develop talent and in both professional leagues. You know, the women haven't had the luxury like the men have, as far as a consistent professional league here in the states. And they're trying to build that up. Hopefully, it works out for them. But, uh, yeah, Plummer was super athletic. Having watched her in person, she could catch anybody on the field. She covered all bases. And I think if she was healthy, if she would have been healthy in the conference tournament, I think she could have made a difference. And maybe UCF could have beaten South Florida and played in the championship game. Maybe, who knows, maybe win the automatic bid. But nonetheless, what a great run she had and obviously playing in Jamaica. And the good news about the WNSL draft, too, Jeffrey, uh we don't have to no longer deal with South Florida's greatest player of all time. She got drafted super high in the first round. So I think a lot we're, we're very relieved that she's moved on. Yeah, that <laughs> and,
0: was uh, yes. uh that was uh, Evelyn Veans. Yeah. Um yeah, she went to Sky Blue FC, which is actually a team based in New Jersey. Um well, congratulations to Evelyn. Glad she's no longer in the conference. Uh That's so what I'm saying. That's congrats to so, so uh, con- uh, again, congrats to Kanye. And uh, as any personnel moves happen in the NWSL, with any other UCF players, we'll be sure to keep you updated. Uh, let's see what else we got here. We are less than a month away from baseball, Murph. All right, here's what. Here's something interesting. All right,
1: talking bird season, baseball with Murph.
0: Season up. ticket holder slugfest <laughs> is happening. Okay, this is January 29th. This promotion is going on. If you purchase your season tickets by 29th, you get by the 29th of January, you get to come back on February 1st for this event. And what you do is they're going to throw somebody's going to throw 5 pitches at you. If you hit a home run within those 5 pitches, these are fans who bought season tickets. If you're a nice season ticket holder, you buy, you hit one home run off of those 5 pitches, you receive your season ticket for free. The cost of the ticket will be refunded, donations not included. Uh, so I ask you, Murph, uh could you hit a home run off of one of five pitches? Um thrown by there's no information as to who's throwing this. There's, I, I, there's not, not if it's a pitching machine. We don't I'm assuming it's probably a pitching machine. Um uh, but I don't know. It could be Greg Lovelady himself, for all we know. Um
2: could you do it, Murph? could I are, are, so wait are you asking me if I could hit a home run out of John Yuuliano Park out of John Yuuliano Park yes well okay the obvious answer I mean there's a couple of obvious answers the first one is absolutely not because I have no like lower body strength like what do I what do I hit with your upper part?
0: body strength is is I will say a, a a thing that has to be seen to be believed I do believe yeah, that.
2: but but, but in baseball, you have to drive with your lower half. You pull your hips through, your core muscles. I have none of that. Secondly, I want to bring up this fact. Okay. The, the people who whose uh, at least college recreational job, now it's not their job because they're not getting paid, but the players on the team at UCF hit 57 home runs as a team last year. I don't know how many of those were at home, but it wasn't much. Because it's hard to hit a home <laughs> run at that stadium, so, and that's what they do—they they play baseball. The
0: wind blows in, man.
2: <laughs> yeah, and so for any schlub to come out, I'm sorry, but let's be honest: for Joe Schmo to come out and go yard, uh, no, that's that's not happening. Unless they're like, they, unless they got like a ringer, unless they could bring unless unless and, like, so so there's a Murph, former but player, but right? Yeah. Right. Oh, Right. Yeah, like it's a former player but or or unless they go down and like um uh someone comes up from spring training uh at like Astros camp right. wears a mustache and like oh I guess it's Alex Bregman. Amazing.
0: Ale- Alex uh, Bregman doing a Bobby Valentine, right? Showing up with a yeah. with a pair of glasses but, and a mustache.
2: I I appreciate the uh, <laughs> I appreciate the promotion, but this is the uh, proverbial uh carrot on a stick in a in a or a I don't a know what rabbit you're talking rabbit. about, Merv? Merv, we're gonna be rabbit. fine.
1: I've got my, I've got my trash can. I'm gonna bring it with me, and when <laughs> I hit it, you'll know what the pitch is coming. I think we're gonna be fine.
2: <laughs> Have we run that bit into the ground? I feel like we. Yeah, been, the, I, I, like, I I the bits. Yeah,
0: the bits. The, the bits been run. It's you yeah. know. We've run it.
1: But I'm getting criticized. I'm not the one that asked Murph if he can hit a
0: home run. <laughs> I mean, let's, let's, let's be real here. Right? I here I'll, I'll... listen. It's a it's it is a compliment to Brian Murphy and his uh, and his uh, incredible upper body strength. I will say that. Um, we have uh, we're going to be doing our basketball all decade teams coming up this uh, hey. coming hey. up here by the end of the week. What? <laughs> yes, at long last it'll be it'll be up there, uh, and it should be fun to see. We got softball, baseball, football, and volleyball up there um, too. And then, uh, well, what else do we have? Do we have going on after the UConn game, which is tonight? Um, what do we got going on here? Uh, Murph, I'll start with you.
2: Oh, well, you know we'll have uh, a little. Uh, I think USF talk at least on on my Twitter account. When we meet with uh, when we meet with Johnny Dawkins on Friday, most likely. We'll see if there's an update on Dre Fuller. Uh, on his uh, availability. I will say also, we should mention there is football news, like actual news, about in addition to the roster, about UCF jumping back into the Juco ranks to grab yet another cornerback. This is sort of in the same vein of a Tay Gowan and Mike Hughes, uh, Emmanuel Oppia, uh, who is a native of Ghana and is growing up really in New Jersey and in New York, went to Monroe Community College, had Eight interceptions last year as a sophomore in JUCO. Kid went to he Bergen Catholic. I mean, I, I know this is your this is really your jam. He's I mean, my I, boy, I, I was, yeah. I assume you know everything about this kid because he's growing up in your like in your neck of the woods.
0: Yeah, those those Bergen Catholic kids they they take they they don't take any crap from nobody. I love this. I love this one. I can't wait to see him.
2: <laughs> Emmanuel Apia had, had eight interceptions last year. And a six-foot uh, corner, and it just—it just adds to the depth of what we already thought was an amazing secondary. Um, it does make me question, though, maybe he's an insurance policy if the Knights don't think that Brandon Moore can come back from his dislocated knee slash ACL tear that he had uh, back in late August. We'll see. But if—I if, mean, but if for as an insurance policy, it sounds like a good one. And you also have to trust. UCF's recent history with exploring the Juco market at corner.
0: Yeah. So uh yeah, I can't wait. By the way, he's he's originally from Oradell, New Jersey, which is uh which is you know, and not not far away from, you know, Paramus, Clifton, Passaic, all those places that, you know, my family's kind of from, so I'm so excited about about Emmanuel Happy joining the team. I can't wait to talk well, to him in the preseason. It's going to be great.
2: He's originally from Ghana, and I'm just i, I I'm sure there's a good story there, so I can't wait.
0: Yep, so this is good. Uh, Eric, what you got going on?
2: Well,
1: we got, uh, you know, since we're promoting events here, baseball tickets here, I can tell you, promoting, go to UCF uh, Softball, uh, folks. Go on Twitter, to UCF Softball, ladies and gentlemen. UCF underscore softball, and there's details on a great event coming up February 1st, Opening day dinner. It's kind of like if you've been to the football pre-kickoff you know, deal in men's basketball. And basketball, they do this for men's and women's basketball. They have a uh, tip-off deal before dinner and all that. Softball's doing it February 1st. Go to UCF underscore softball. Uh, there's information there. There's information on UCFKnights.com. It's going to be a double tree at Hilton. Yours truly is going to be hosting that event. I mean, if that's not enough to get you going. theres It's a great cause to get to meet the 2020 Knights. The season's almost here, boys. I've been a very team player. I've let Murph hog up the baseball spotlight but folks softball gets played first and uh I will be stealing material uh, audio and airtime sooner than later with softball just around the corner in fact next week I will be over at the complex to uh get ready yeah. for the 2020 season which could put me questionable for next week's show cuz I have work to do. But uh so we're looking forward <laughs> wow. to getting ready for the 2020 season. The softball all decade team is out on blackandgobanneret.com right now. Uh, very uh, big choices there. And again, I want to thank everybody, the fans and the former players um, that have come with feedback and, and have, you know, they've been very nice about it. Uh, you haven't got any hate mail, Banner.
0: have you? <laughs> uh, you always have a few.
1: But that's okay. I love the passion about it, man. That's the whole point of this, man. It's create conversation. Uh, Because I think we lose the fact. And and, and the thing we've big, one of my takeaways from doing this with football, men's, where we're going to have men's basketball out, uh, baseball we've done already, volleyball we've done, and all that. We're going to have more sports to do is, you know, this is big. This means a lot to a lot of these players because they don't, in some of these sports, they don't get the recognition. I had a Robbie Howell reach out to me and wanted me to thank Murph because Murph went out of his way to cover him and cover the team and, and, you know, and contribute to him being on the old decade team. And so things like that means a lot. But you know, for players and then and things. And, and the fact that some players maybe feel like they should have been on, that's awesome too. Yeah. So uh, we'll have more content on that. I will be at the South Florida game Saturday, hoping to talk to some former UCF players that might be in attendance. I hope to talk to that. I will be with Murph at the UConn game uh, trying to break down what was the most memorable moment of the Carlos Beltran New York Mets era. That will be uh, really a hard discussion, well, I... <laughs> long-time <laughs> conversation there. I saw a,
0: a – i saw a uh, a tweet that said well <laughs> at least carlos carlos beltran finished his managerial career with the new york mets undefeated so take that haters i forget who said it but that was really funny <laughs> it,
2: that was that, that was Cespedist family barbecue and you saw it because i retweeted it that's
0: right that's right okay so congrats to family barbecue. i like so congrats to that that was that was excellent uh I uh, yeah, we've got a lot going on this uh, this coming week. as we're going to be firing up our spring sports, uh, our, our spring sports work. Um, tennis is actually getting ready to go pretty soon. Is this this is finally going to be the year? I, it really is going to be the year that we head down there um, for a match to so check out uh, to check out the tennis complex. And uh, I'm 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 making it happen this year, no doubt about it. And uh, and yeah, so we'll be keeping an eye on that. And we've got any football news that comes up or basketball news, Will be sh- you, can sh- you can be sure that we will be on top of it for you. All right, so don't forget to follow us at UCF underscore Banneret on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Black and Gold and of course, Black and Gold And by the way, we have a new uh, blog on the SB Nation Network that you might want to check out. I know you, you'll definitely want to check it out, Murph. DraftKings Nation is up and running, providing you uh, information on fantasy. Um, both uh, both season-long and daily and, uh, and and sports wagering and more. So you definitely want to check that out. DraftKings Nation...
1: What are you calling
0: Murph a degenerate? I mean, <laughs> DKNation.DraftKings.com DKNation.DraftKings.com is the uh, URL of the site. Be sure to check it out. We are at BlackAndGoldBanneret.com You can find Murph at Spokes underscore Murphy. Find Eric at Eric lopez ELO, and find me at Jeff... Share. All right, boys. Thanks again. I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the game tonight.
2: Thanks, Jeffrey.
0: And that has been the Black and Gold Bannerhead podcast. We will catch you again next week.